0: Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is May 11th. Today we're going to continue on in Mosiah chapter 18. I love this chapter and I love that there are so many principles of the gospel here. Things that we can learn and understand and then apply into our lives. So as we start off today, I want to tell you a little story. When I was a teenager, I remember asking my dad, if the sacrament was still effective for me, if it were blessed or passed by young men who weren't worthy to do it. Now, I want to preface this with the fact that there were incredible, incredible young men in my ward who have gone on to be incredible, incredible men. But there were also some that I knew that weren't living their gospel covenants at the time. Yet there they were passing the sacrament to me. And I worried, that maybe the sacrament wouldn't have the same effect because of the lack of worthiness of the priesthood. And so I remember asking my dad that question, if the sacrament still had the same effect, if the priesthood holders weren't worthy to pass it. And my dad said, well, of course it does. And I said, oh, it does. And he said, yeah, remember the story of Alma the Elder. That priesthood is still good. And I can't remember how old I was at the time, but not old enough to know what he was talking about. So I just kind of pretended. (laughs) I was like... Oh, yeah, okay. Alma the elder. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I didn't get it. But as I got older, I came to understand what he meant by that. Because here in chapter 18, we have Alma. He was a wicked priest, he had committed all sorts of sins. And then he repents and he preaches to the people. And in verse 13, he says, I baptize thee having authority from the Almighty God. Now the question is, where did he get that authority? Because he declares that he has it. The answer to that lies in the difference between authority of the priesthood and power of the priesthood. In 2012, Elder Bednar gave a talk called The Powers of Heaven, and in that talk he said this, the priesthood is the authority of God delegated to men on earth to act in all things for the salvation of mankind. Priesthood is the means whereby the Lord acts through men to save souls. One of the defining features of the Church of Jesus Christ, both anciently and today, is His authority. There can be no true church without divine authority. The power of the priesthood is God's power operating through men and boys like us and require personal righteousness faithfulness, obedience, and diligence. A boy or man may receive priesthood authority by the laying on of hands, but it will have no priesthood power if he is disobedient, unworthy, or unwilling to serve. So here's the thing with Alma. He had received priesthood authority. Zenith, King Noah's father, had priesthood authority. The priests of Zenith had priesthood authority, They also had priesthood power because they were trying to live righteously. We can assume that Zenith gave that priesthood to his wicked son, Noah, and Alma probably received his priesthood authority either from Noah, but I actually probably think that as one of Noah's priests, he probably received his priesthood from one of the righteous priests that came before him. So he was given priesthood authority, but until Alma repented... Until he was converted in his belief of Christ and received that redemption for his sins, he never had priesthood power. As soon as Alma made the choice to repent, to change his life, and to use the atonement of Jesus Christ, that priesthood power became active in his life, and he was able to use that priesthood authority to preach and to baptize And it's the same today. Men and young men can receive priesthood authority by the laying on of hands. But that priesthood authority means nothing until it's accompanied with the power of the priesthood. Then chapter 18 goes on to tell us how Alma baptized 204 souls that were there at the water of Mormon. And it says that after they were baptized, that they were filled with the grace of God. So they had kind of a similar experience as the people of King Benjamin. They made covenants with the Lord, and then they rejoiced and were filled with grace. Alma commands them to teach one another, to build each other up. And then he commands in verse 21 that there should be no contention one with another, but that they should look forward with one eye, having one faith and one baptism, then listen to this phrase. I love this phrase. Having their hearts knit together in unity and love one towards another. My friends, that should be what all of our wards are. Having received the same covenants that these people have, having received that same remission of sins, our wards should be the same thing. There should be no contention. We should be one, one eye, one focus, and our hearts should be knit together in unity and love towards one another. In fact, that's the definition of a Zionistic society. That's the definition of Zion that we receive in Moses, where it says, the Lord called his people Zion because they were of one heart and one mind and dwelt in righteousness. Those are the kind of words we need to form, free of contention, having a singular focus, and hearts knit together in peace and love. In 4th Nephite, there was a people who lived in peace. They were very much a Zionistic society. And one description of them says that there were no Nephites or Lamanites or any manner of ites among them. That is what we have to accomplish in our wards and in our families. We shouldn't have the owner ites and the apartment ites. We shouldn't have the long-term and short-termites. We shouldn't have the empty nestorites and the newlywed ites. There should be no ites in our ward or in our families because our hearts should be knit together in unity and love. And that unity only comes as we view each other with the same love that our Father in Heaven sees us. Now, we are not going to be perfect at it, but that's no reason to not try. I guarantee we're going to be a lot closer to perfect if we're striving for it than we will be if we're not. (laughs) That is my profound statement for you today. (laughs) Those are the wards and the stakes that our Father in Heaven would have us have. Wards and stakes bound together in unity and love with no-ites among us. Alma goes on and continues to describe the kind of people that they need to be. It says that they need to labor with their own hands for their support, that they need to assemble themselves together often, and that they need to impart of their substance to everyone, that they need to make sure that no one among them goes without. One of my favorite scriptures in this whole chapter, and it's so obscure, But it speaks to my soul because I feel this. Now, remember, it's talking about the waters of Mormon and talking about the waters of Mormon. It says, how beautiful are they, meaning the waters of Mormon, to the eyes of them who there came to a knowledge of their Redeemer. I don't know about you guys, but I have my own personal waters of Mormon. There are places that I love, places that I think are the most beautiful places on the planet. And it's because it was there that I came to a knowledge and understanding of who my Redeemer was. One of those places for me is just outside of a little town called Driggs, Idaho. There's a girls camp named Darby. And if you've been there, you know that it is just gorgeous anyway. But Darby is especially beautiful for me because it was my very first Waters of Mormon. It was where I very first started to come to an understanding of who my Savior was and what he could do for me. When I taught seminary, I had a painting of an adobe street in Peru hanging on my wall. And right underneath that adobe street, which might not be very beautiful to a lot of people, I had this scripture. How beautiful are they to the eyes of them who there came to a knowledge of their redeemer. Peru will always be beautiful to me. Almost every single return missionary will say that their mission was the best mission in the entire world. And it's because their mission became beautiful for them. Because it was there that they came to a knowledge of who their Redeemer is and what he could do for them. My friends, what are your waters of Mormon? What are the places in your life that will always be beautiful to you because of the knowledge you gained of your Redeemer there? I hope you have them. I hope you get to visit them often. But if not, I hope you reflect on them often in your lives and in your hearts. Because I know that for me, as I reflect on Darby and on Peru, I'm reminded of the testimony that I gained of my Savior at my own personal Waters of Mormon. Thank you so much for listening today. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsey Hansen.